Welcome to the Think Rural Podcast, sponsored by the Texas Social Media Research Institute and the Rural Communication Institute at Tarleton State University. Here's today's episode. So I guess kind of transitioning and, and I kind of, uh, I, I have a personal uh, interest in this question because I'm a parent as well. Um, but, and, uh, and again, knowing like I have on my father's side, a fa- family history with depression and, and bipolar and, and whatnot, but what's a good way to open conversations with your children about mental health or encouraging them uh, to open about their feelings or share, feel, have that comfort level uh, with you as a, a parent. Yeah, and I, I uh, wanna tell you, I just appreciate your vulnerability and sharing <laughs> about your own family and, and just recognizing that history for what it is and being cognizant of it and, and how it may or may not impact you or your kids. So anyway, thanks for yeah. Sharing that. Um, yeah. So kids and mental health, you know, I chuckled at your question because um, as I have gone through my own mental health therapy journey and been impacted positively by it, um, <laughs> the, the very things that I'm learning at like 30 plus I wish I could have known younger. And so how do I help our kids? How do we help our kids understand some of these concepts? Um, so even as a therapist or a social worker, like, wow, there's still a lot of learning to do. There's still a process going on in my own life and our family's life, um, all the things. So, but as, because of my own journey, Um, and really breaking through some of my own role, you know, resiliency challenges that, that led me to anxiety and some depression and um, just my own issues. Uh, The thing that comes back is, so now we have these things at our house and they're, I think they're from like teacher pay or teachers pay teachers or something along those lines. I paid for it somewhere. Um, I should probably give credit to them, but like it came from somewhere and I think it was teachers pay teachers, but, um, and you can see how like, whoopsie, how banged up these things are, but they're, they're little, um, you go through them and you go through them with your kids, but I am telling you what, this is some of the same stuff that 36 year olds are learning in therapy too. It's just more kid centered. And so the first thing is cool off. We cannot engage in a healthy conflict resolution until we're cooled off. Figure out ways and tactics to cool off. And so, um, oh, that's number six. Listen, share, and check. And it's telling you, I feel hurt. Mm -hmm. I feel um, sad when you hit me because whatever. And it is going through, literally, this is like um, I can't think of what it would be right now, cognitive behavioral therapy or something <laughs> for kids, 101 right here. And it it just walks you through it um, and it helps kids take responsibility, but not own all of it. So for the kid that is the sensitive one that oversteps and takes all the burden onto this person, 
Um, this helps them understand where they begin and end and where it was their issue and where it wasn't their issue uh, because that can lead to other issues later on. Um, I'm one that took on full responsibility of things when it wasn't even mine to take and the challenges that came from it. Or if you have a kid that's like, it's his fault. He made me blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, maybe we should consider what responsibility we have in this problem. <laughs> so it helps. Uh, this is just one simple tool. There's a bunch out there, but I believe that if we can work through these sibling issues or challenges, um, oh, making sure they're not over your shoulder. I love yeah, that. Well, <laughs> anyway, um, I believe if we can give them this framework mm -hmm. and it's embedded in their brain by the time they leave high school or for college, that's a framework that will stay with them for a long time and will serve them very well. Um, so understanding our boundaries, understanding, working through that. I mean, I have one person that's told me, because I shared this with her, and her kids have some kind of name for it now. It's like the dreaded list or something, but she's like, she just laughs because she's like, it doesn't matter. If you can visually remember that for the rest of your life on our wall, yeah, good job. That's what I'm going for. So tools like that. Um, help maybe we're not specifically talking about being sad but but it does ask them like I'm angry so then the next step maybe we work on that for six months but the next step is in six months okay you're angry but and you're also feeling what because anger is the first feeling and so it's usually an indicator of something else um so really over time you can teach them to go from anger to another feeling to even a better descriptive feeling later. Um, it's a it's a process. It's not a one and done. It's it's how do you build on it? They get older that you can incorporate more tools for them to learn how to manage their behaviors and emotions. Um, which then ties into mental health because you know we're working through it in process as opposed to um just giving information to them is tactile it's it's being done so i love that i'm probably going to after this conversation google it and get it although i know one of the first things my daughter will say is i get sad or mad when you turn off paw patrol so <laughs> but hey it's a starting point so it totally is and you know <laughs> and you actively listen back and <laughs> What I heard you say was you feel sad when I blah, blah, blah. And, um, and what that does, it gives you permission to then say, and we're going to do this because mommy, you know, whatever. So yeah. it doesn't mean you don't hear them or you don't change your mind. You're still the mom, but um, you can hear them and they feel validated as somebody that matters. So I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I probably will Google and find the link to add to post the video. I probably know, but I mean, like these are, they've got coffee stains on them. I don't know how we still have them in existence because I should laminate them. But anyway, I love that. No, that's, uh, that might be my favorite thing. Um, so um, it, I, I know we're running short on time, but it, if someone opens up to me about our, their struggles, um, how do we let them know that we support them or, or more importantly, are there things that you should uh, not say, like maybe I know exactly how you're feeling because then they would feel like 
well, there's no way you can know exactly how I feel or, or something like that. And that's just an example. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, people could probably receive that as a minimizing comment. Um, I still think it goes back to learning how to listen well and being an active listener of which we're all really in process on, um, uh, reflecting back to them, um, truly empathizing with them are all great ways to handle that. And so just research that because then you find out, oh, that's a minimizing behavior or that's a deflective thing, you know? Oh man, you're, you're gonna be fine, it's fine. Just move on, uh, get over it. Um, all those things are minimizing. They don't, they don't allow a person to have feelings in there. So the feelings don't have to run a person or control a person, but they, they are part of being a human. That that's part of what separates us from animal, you know, yeah. animal. So that's part of yeah, like that's an important piece of us. So that's what I would say. I mean, in a nutshell. Yeah, but. I think, and you touched on it too. It's just really people's need that they need to be heard. And I doubt that this is what the the specific specific question was in reference to. But I can think of several times where I'm telling my husband about a problem at work or something going on in the house or whatever and like he tries to fix it and I get annoyed because I'm like I don't need you to fix the problem I just need you to listen to the problem let me get it out there and then like that's it you don't have to be the solution provider you just mm -hmm. need to, to listen let me get this off my chest so yeah, yeah it's hard I mean it takes conscious work I you know it's not like even therapists are in process on that learning how to be a really good listener and that's a skill set that's developed over time. Maybe some people have a natural bent towards it, but it still can be developed. Um, yeah, withholding your judgment and withholding your rebuttal is <laughs> hard to do. <laughs> so, but it's an important part. Like if you're, if you already know what you're going to say back to them and you're already thinking about that, you're actually not listening. Yeah. So. <laughs> Well, and that's, I guess, kind of a segue since I brought up <laughs> husband into the next question. Uh, but like, uh, uh, what if you're talking about, uh, I guess, marriage counseling specifically, or maybe even either your husband or, or the wife thinks like, like maybe you have anger issues or maybe you're sad and I've noticed these things, would it be helpful Um for you to go talk to a professional that doesn't have judgment and can listen and help, but maybe that spouse that uh, that's been suggested to feels like, oh, that'll just make things worse. Like, I, I don't wanna talk about my feelings. Like, I don't need that kind of deal. Sure, um, those are normal fears that people might have, especially with, marriage therapy and you know marriage therapy is a difficult area of therapy because you're dealing with two individuals marriage and family two individuals and then the client is still the marriage and so it, it's a very challenging um part of therapy but it's a good one and obviously it's human relationships and it's all needed so i mean i i almost can't imagine really any marriage that doesn't need some kind of help along the way. <laughs> um, so there's, there's that in, you know, it, it might make things worse a little bit before it can get better. 
as the therapist is understanding who you are and as things are starting to come out, it can feel harder before it gets better for sure. Um, so almost like I do encourage what? <laughs> so it's almost like cleaning house, or at least for me, I feel like everything looks worse when I pull everything out, right? Before yeah, right. get back organized, you know? So it, it does look like a nightmare before it gets better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you can't make your spouse go to therapy. You can't. Um, you can still go to therapy and, and learn tools and ways of engaging better. Um, in your marriage. And so ideally a marriage can go to therapy and we've, we've done it. And um, so, yeah. And no, uh, and uh, real, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, um, I think it's a real concern and that that might be a barrier for your spouse is I really don't want to talk about my feelings. Like mm -hmm. the, the whole addressing the feelings thing is real and a barrier for a lot of people and so um you can request and if not you can go to therapy yourself and learn how to have healthy boundaries and what do those boundaries do for the marriage and um, all of those things can still happen uh and marriage therapy can be beautiful and good so yeah no absolutely and i and i like that the that you brought up that even if it's not something that y'all can pursue as a couple, that there's still value in you going yourself. Uh, mm -hmm. Because some people might take, oh, my husband said no. So, well then, our, our my wife said no or isn't interested. So that's the end of it. There's nothing I can do to help the situation. But then that you highlighted, like there's still value in you going and discussing what you think that and working through it that way. So, yeah, certainly. Thank yep. you for doing that, uh, bringing that up. Um, and then these next two questions um, are were submitted, and and they're in regards to um, you know substance use or and alcoholism. Um, but what would you recommend is a way to approach a loved one if you think that they have a problem with substance abuse? are um, self-medicating. Um, sure. Um, well, and, you know, I consulted a mentor and friend on these questions because while I understand that they overlap so much with mental health things and, and I do have some exposure, um, this is a area that I don't have clinical expertise necessarily on. And so there's, um, substance abuse and addiction counselors out there. And that is not my scope of practice. And so this uh, information came from somebody that does do that. And, you know, her thoughts were basically, um, you, you can't approach somebody when they're drunk or high. Uh, that is not the time to bring up the information. Um, and every scenario is gonna be different because you don't know a person's tolerance or confrontation level in, issues like that. Uh, so her thought was you cannot confront a drug, you cannot confront the alcohol, but you can address the behaviors of the person. Um, what you received from them, it goes back to that feedback uh, on behaviors. You can in your own personhood, in your own right, 
give feedback to when you were drunk, I experienced you in this way. Um, when you were high, this behavior from you hurt me in this way. I felt hurt when you, I mean, like, this is all, this is all connected, right? I felt hurt when, when you um, yelled at me while being drunk, something like that. You're giving them that feedback of which then you have to, you don't have any control over. Once you give that feedback, that's really all you can do. The only thing you can do is start, start to set those healthy boundaries for yourself. And that will force change in a person, either get harder or put a, put a boundary in place that forces them to make a change in some way, shape or form. Um, yeah. That's where I think the individual work is so crucial because you can do so much for your scenario, whatever that might be, um, whatever that might be by working on yourself. And so as far as alcohol and drugs, um, that's what her takeaway was. And clearly there's safety issues there, mm -hmm. which are always the top precedents, um, physical safety and um, getting out of those scenarios. Yeah, no, uh, well, and thank you. Cause yeah, that is a, I would imagine it's a hard thing to um, confront. And, and I know there was a statistic we posted on our, our Instagram that one in four um, people or uh, individuals in rural areas know somebody uh, that has self-medicated. So I think it's a very um, relevant um, problem. And I, I, I'm also thinking in my head now, I'm like, so the key thing that at least Anna needs to get out of this is go buy the flashcards. <laughs> so that we can <laughs> not not even Start just right? <laughs> yeah. so, so that's that's gonna be top priority for me this Saturday Google find the flashcards we'll use them for the toddler we'll use them for myself we'll use them for my husband everybody everybody if you think about it that's a preventative way for yes like I wish I had known that growing up and I have amazing parents, like yeah. fantastic, but I didn't understand how to have healthy conflict. I didn't understand um, boundaries. I had no, like, I don't know what it was, but somehow it was like a family boundary, not an individual within that family boundary. And yeah. so when you're talking about marriage discord, when you're talking about alcoholism, when you're talking about all these things that really are, are real, um, if it's not healthy for your life I'm not saying discard it just learn how to interact with it in a different way um because that's your loved one of course like there's ways of working through that and and it starts with individual work um is my perspective and that's from a social worker perspective and as an individual just a friend to friend so working on it currently you know in my own way I'm, I'm learning how to separate from hard, hard things our kids tell me sometimes out of in a moment of rage or whatever it's 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 real for everybody I think in all their scenarios so absolutely well thank you I, that, that kind of wrapped up the the list of questions that, <laughs> that people had submitted but and I know I know we went way past our uh, allotted time, but I think that That's everything fine. was so great. And I love the realness of it with the like, okay, this is real life. These are real people talking. Dogs are going to come in. They're going to have questions. Like, I, I, I think that's really perfect. Uh, you, 
you know, what a accurate way to represent like, okay, there's no one per perfect person or perfect way to handle something. Real life happens. And when it happens, you just roll with the flow. So thank you for everything you added. And, and again, I'm going to be looking for this card. <laughs> well, if I find the direct link, I, I think it was teachers pay teachers. And if that's the right website. So. Teachers pay teachers. Perfect. We hope you enjoyed this month's series on basically everything that has to do with mental health and rural areas. We're excited about the next series, which will focus on education and subsequent series will have a different theme. So stay tuned. Please feel free to share this episode with others and we will see you next time.